I just want to say a couple things. First of all, how proud I am of that couple, Pastor Aaron and Erica. I had the privilege of going last night to dinner and just spending just the evening with them and, and what God is doing in their life. By the way, how many of you believe that Erica has the touch of God? Was that the best communion? I leaned over. Doesn't she do a great job? I was like, I was like during worship, like, you're like really anointed at that. That's it said, you need to come to our church and do that. But I just want to say how proud I am of them. And I have known them over a decade. And, uh, and just what God is doing through you guys is amazing. And I know there's an incredible team here and I love everybody on the team, but I just, there's just a real, and I, and I say this not only as their pastor, uh, but also as, as someone who sits on the board and uh, what God is doing in this church, it's amazing. And we are so, so grateful you didn't go to California. Come on. How many of y'all excited about that? We're so, that thing is just falling off into the water over there. And so, so how, how many of y'all excited to be in this new building? Come on. How many of y'all excited about Matter of fact, last year, and I get the privilege of coming once a year uh, here last year, I remember just stopping, I think right in the beginning point, I thought, all right, we can't do this again for another year. We got, and, and God has provided, and again, this is not the end, this is, this is just another step. Everybody say step. step. This is just a step, that's what it is, but it's God's provision. By the way, one of the things I've learned in my life, I've been walking with Jesus for th- over 30 years, is we never despise the step. A step's a step. A step's not the end, but a step's a step. It's like somebody's got a job. It's like, well, you know, I just wish I had another job. Enjoy this job. Actually, what I've found in the Lord is that your attitude in the step actually qualifies you for the next step. Oh, that was good. And if you don't have a good attitude in this step, I don't think God ever actually opens up the next step. And so we are so grateful to you, God, for this provision in this building and this step. Can we give the Lord a hand clap? Come on. Can we just do that? Pastor said that you guys are in a series called Hall of Faith, and I want to jump right into that. It's a privilege and an honor to be here. And uh, like I said, for those of you that are guests, I get to come once a year on the weekend. And so I said, what series are we in? And he says, Hall of Faith, Pastor, take any Bible hero uh, that you'd like, uh, but don't do this one, this one, this one, this one, this one, this one. I said, there's really not many left. And I said, can I do Jonathan? He goes, you can do Jonathan. And so I want to talk to you today uh, about Jonathan, who is a figure, a colossal figure, and actually a giant in the faith from a unique perspective. He wasn't this great prophet or you know, he wasn't this, this, this great king or whatnot, and yet God used him in tremendous ways. I want to talk to you today about the power of friendship, how, how God brings people together. There, there is a need for friendship. I think one of the, uh, what I would call one of the fallouts of COVID over the last three years is so many just friendships were busted up for lots of reasons, by the way, because of tension in many areas, political tension, racial tension, economic tension, religious tension. And it's crazy how there was just people that just were, were, were friendly with people and they, they no longer talked to them anymore. And, and I believe that the Bible gives us clues. The Bible gives us insights of how we can actually walk with one another. The power of friendship. Jonathan was King Saul's son and King David's best friend. 
Speaking of friends, before I jump into the message, I, it did remind me of this funny story about these two guys. They were, I, I like to spend a lot of times in the woods and, and the outdoors. I'm kind of an outdoor person. And these two guys were out and they were in the wilderness, deep, deep in the wilderness. And all of a sudden they turn around and this massive bear is like coming after them. So they turn around, they start taking off running and, and they're just running and they're kind of screaming. And then all of a sudden this one guy stops. He just absolutely stops and he ties his shoe. And so the guy looks and says, hey man, you don't have time to tie your shoe. This bear's about to get us. What are you doing? Get going. He says, listen, listen, this is funny. He goes, he goes, I know that I can't outrun the bear. I just got to outrun you. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. The power of, everybody say it, friendship. All right. If you have your Bible, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Pastor mentioned Hebrews 11 and 12. I want to read that scripture, Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. This chapter, Hebrews chapter 12, in a sense is a culmination of Hebrews chapter 11 where where the writer is talking about this great man did this, this great woman did this, this great man, this great woman. And in a sense, and in a sense, I like to liken it to this. It says that there's this great cloud of witnesses surrounding us. By the way, even as we are here today, heaven's watching us. Now, they've run their race. They actually are in the grandstands and we're on the field. There's going to come a moment where we're going to, quote, be in the grandstands and cheering on those that are in the generation on the earth that day. Hebrews chapter 11, I love it. It's almost like there are different men and women that get out of the grandstands and they get on the track and they run a lap. When Moses runs a lap, when Joseph runs a lap. When Deborah and Esther, I want to talk to you today about Jonathan. I believe if Jonathan would get out of the grandstand today and would come down on the field and want, listen, pastor, just one lap with us. If Jonathan in the Old Testament would just run one lap with us, here's what I believe he would say. He would start off running and I believe he would say to us, when you want to make a great impact with your life, Help someone else fulfill their potential. I believe he'd be saying that. He'd be running that lap. We're on the field. Just for a moment, if God allowed him to step out of heaven onto the field with us, he would say, if you want to make a great impact with your life, just help. Just don't forget this. Help someone else. Fulfill their potential. In other words, Jonathan modeled the ability to see the big picture. He had the ability to step back and see who he was and, and who those around him were. He understood life from heaven's perspective. And when you understand life from heaven's perspective, you see yourself differently. You see your friends differently. You see the kingdom of God differently. You see your family differently. You see it from God's perspective. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1. In a day and age 
When winning at all costs is really the rule of the day. It's, it's whatever I've got to do to be number one, whatever I've got to do to beat everybody, whatever I've got to do to have my name, to be an influencer, to have the most social media this, to be this, to be the best. What can I? Listen, in a day when that marks our culture, Jonathan stands in complete contrast. It's not that he's not into winning, but he realizes that it doesn't just have to be him that wins. If you want to make a big difference with your life, help another person fulfill their potential. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1. Now when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant. Erica talked about that today, a covenant, not a contract, but a covenant. There was a, they, they came into agreement. What mine is mine and what yours is, it's, it, there was a depth of relationship because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe which was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even his sword and his bow and his belt. From that point on, Jonathan was willing to do anything to help his friend David. And by the way, David would need a lot of help. David was consistently pushed out of his comfort zone. Jonathan's father, King Saul, for those of you that know a little bit about the Old Testament, hunted David like a wild animal. The hand of God was on David's life. King David, before he was king, by the way, when he was a young man, right after he slain, right after the slingshot, you guys remember this? Come on, right after the slingshot, Goliath, boom, Goliath goes down. David became famous and it intimidated King Saul. Everybody talked about how powerful David was and the hand of God was upon David's life. And, and it began an emotional roller coaster for David because he's running from King Saul. He's this young warrior in the kingdom. And this old king, King Saul, was really intimidated. By the way, it's one thing to champion somebody when they're down. It's a whole other thing to champion somebody when they're up. It's kind of like when, when, as long as your friends are not doing as well as you, as long as they don't have a nice, nicest house or their business or their kids, I mean, it's it's sometimes real easy to to lend a helping hand when somebody's down. But can you still celebrate them when they're up? When they actually go past you, when they're making more money than you, when their kids are serving God and maybe yours aren't. In other words, can you still, from your heart, genuinely rejoice in another person's success when it's actually greater than yourselves? David struggled because Saul struggled more. Saul couldn't handle the fact that the success of God was on David's life, and he had severe challenges. How did he get through that? How did David get through those challenges? How did he navigate through them? He na navigated through, by and large, because of Jonathan. Jonathan, Saul's son, saw something in David's life. I'm grateful for the men that saw things in my life, by the way, at times when I didn't see them in myself. Has anybody ever been like that? Maybe a coach, maybe a teacher, maybe an uncle, an aunt, a mom, somebody that saw something in you. I, I told you guys this, and I've told this story so many times. I was on every prayer list in America. My mom was a born-again charismatic Christian, and I was a teenage kid that got in trouble a lot. I got in trouble. By the way, my brother did. Is anybody? Can I just? Is this a confessional? Is that? Can I just get it out? My brother did worse things than me and never got caught. 
I, I'm still bitter, Pastor. I probably, I, I just like, what the, I mean, I just, come on. Anything I did, I got caught. And I'm talking about caught. Caught by my parents, caught by my teachers, caught by my coaches. Yes, caught by the police. My mom prayed for me so much, and, and yet there was a pastor, when I gave my heart to Christ, he was the associate pastor of the church. When he saw that I got born again, he, he, he befriended me, and he began to believe in me, and he began to pull me close to him and said, I want to pour into your life. By the way, he knew my past. It's so easy to know people when they've got a clean slate and they make you look good when you're with them. But can you be with somebody when they kind of maybe don't, when they've got a little bit of a past and it may taint you if you're with them? And this associate pastor at the church believed in me and invested in me and cared for me. I'm grateful this day, I'm grateful this day of what he meant to me. Is there ever been a Jonathan in your life or have you ever been a Jonathan with somebody else? I'm going to give you three things this morning of what it means to be a big picture person, how to see the potential in others. Number one, big picture thinking allows you to see yourself with a healthy and an accurate perspective. The first great advantage of seeing the big picture is being able to judge yourself accurately and realistically. If we overestimate our value, we'll do things simply to feed our ego. If we underestimate our value, we won't step out and do what God's called us to do. We ought to have an accurate assessment of ourselves. Well, we ought to be healthy. Listen to me. We're not the greatest person in the world, but, but let me tell you something. We're, we're, we're a lot better than others say and not as great as we once thought. In other words, we have to have an accurate assessment of ourselves. And that's not a bad thing. By the way, God's going to judge me, ultimately, good and faithful servant, not good and successful servant. Some may have one talent, some may have five, some may have ten. It doesn't matter. The question is, have you been faithful with God's given you? That's why we don't compare churches. We can learn from other churches, but God has called this unique couple and placed them in this unique city. There's other great churches here. The issue is, are you faithful to what God's called you to do? Are you faithful with God's called you to be? Does that make sense? And so we've got to be accurate in that. You can't appreciate others if you have a wrong assessment of yourself. You'll either be insecure and beat down when you get around people that are doing great things, or you'll be prideful and be arrogant when you get around people that are doing less. And by the way, oftentimes, I'll say this as parents, oftentimes I don't believe that we set our kids up for success. This is a little parenting advice here. One of the greatest lies that we can tell our kids is, you can do anything that you want in life. That's not true. You can do whatever God's called you to do and what God's gifted you to do. But let me tell you something. You can't do anything. You can do something, and you can do that thing great. And oftentimes, it's kind of like when you see The Voice and something like this, or you see American Idol, so you think of yourself, and somebody's singing, they can't sing, and you're like, their mama wasn't honest. Yeah. Is that all right, Pastor? Can I say that in church? Sorry. Number one, if we want to be a big picture person, we've got to see ourselves accurately. Number two, if you want to be a big picture person, you must allow, you, allow yourself to see others from the right perspective. When Jonathan saw himself realistically, he was free to treat others that God made differently, uniquely. 
That meant preserving David's life and serving him. Jonathan knew that by helping David, it would benefit the kingdom more. In other words, Jonathan made a decision. I realize God's hand is on that guy's life. Can you do that? Do you see somebody rising up at work and maybe you position yourself to keep them down because it may outshine you? Wow. I've seen that in families, siblings, sibling rivalry. Or one brother is maybe more talented or one sister or one daughter. In other words, and we position ourselves and, 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 and boy, that, let me tell you, that is an emotionally exhausting life. If you have to strategically keep everybody down because them rising up may cast a light on what you're not, that's exhausting. I was at a conversation one time with another preacher about Pastor Chris Hodges, Church of the Highlands, and his church, I don't know how many people are in the church, five or six million? I'm joking. Okay, you know, it's this massive church in Alabama. And he goes, man, you know, what about this? And he was kind of running them down just a little bit. Because, you know, people, people don't like success of other people. You do realize that, right? And I thought, man, all I know is this. I'm learning from Chris. I love Chris. I look up to Chris. And if I can just eat the crumbs off the table, I'm excited about that. In other words, you've got to realize God's hand is just on some people. And they've got greater talent base. And God's looking at them in unique ways and evaluating them according to that. And you've got to be able to celebrate that. Jonathan saw the hand of God on David. By the way, Jonathan was the rightful heir to the throne, but he chose to help another person get there. Man, isn't that powerful? Sometimes other success, it just sparks the insecurity in us. It brings it out. It just stirs something in us. Big picture thinking allows you to see others from the right perspective. 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 30. Then Saul's anger was aroused against Jonathan. And he said to him, you son of a perverse, rebellious woman, do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to be your own shame? Jonathan's dad, Saul, realized that Jonathan was championing David. He didn't like it. He didn't like it at all. And to the shame of your mother's nakedness, for as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, you shall not be established. He says, wake up. You're helping a guy to take your future job. Wake up. Have you lost your mind, son? This guy is going to be in your spot, the king. Why are you helping him? I'm trying to kill him and knock him out so that you can just step into that place. Now, therefore, send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. What's amazing about Jonathan's character is even when all the negative talk about David came from his dad, he never bought in. You'll have conversations often with family members or work associates, church people, whatever, and Maybe somebody gets to sing and you didn't get to sing. And well, after all, why are they singing and you're not singing and you're better than them and all that. And there's always a choice. Everyone say choice. We have a choice to buy into that dialogue. We have a choice to participate in that dialogue. And how we participate is a great reflection of our heart. Or we can champion. We can see the potential in others. What would our world look like? If we made it a daily choice, Pastor, like you said, to champion others, not just that have less talent, but have even more talent than you. Jonathan championed David. 
Big picture thinking allows you to see others from the right perspective. Number three, big picture thinking allows you to do what's right from God's perspective. Often our personal ambition clouds God's direction for our lives, but Jonathan's grasp of the big picture helped him to understand what God was desiring, even though it didn't benefit him personally. Jonathan obeyed God and didn't whine about his rights. Look at what happened. 1 Samuel chapter 23, I'm just bringing you through the story. Look at verse 14. And David stayed in the strongholds in the wilderness and remained in the mountains in the wilderness of Ziph. Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hands. So David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. And David was in the wilderness of Ziph in the forest. Then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods. There it is. He's believing in his potential. He's believing his potential. He's willing to risk his life. He's willing to step over the line. He's willing to do what he needed to do for his friend. He saw the hand of God on his friend. Watch this. And David, in the, and he strengthened his hand in God. And he said, do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel. That was his potential job. And I shall be next to you. What would happen to our culture if we really lived this way? What would happen among siblings if we really lived this way? What would happen in families and churches, pastor? What would happen? It would be revolutionary. And I shall be next to you, even my father Saul knows it. Listen to what I wrote. Jonathan gave up his own future on the throne to serve the rightful person who should take its place. We're all challenged with this. I'm challenged with this. I'm challenged with it about other pastors in our city when maybe a church member leaves our church and goes to another church and as I was younger in the ministry, I felt like, you know what? Wow, they're not this and they're not. Hey, time out. Praise God they're in church. Praise God they're hearing the gospel. Can I have a big amen right there? And, and, and the insecurity in all of our hearts, we all have insecurity. The issue is how much insecurity do we have? The issue is are we allowing God to refine our hearts? We can get, there's nothing wrong with healthy competition, but healthy competition is not tearing people down because of your insecurity to make yourself look better than them. That's not godly. That's not biblical. I often wonder, even with fathers and sons and mothers and daughters and mothers and sons, where we, we should be in a place where we want our kids to go farther than us. We, we should want our kids. Matter of fact, Pastor Jason Robinson, who planted a church, and uh, is he preached here? Pastor, how many of y'all know Pastor Jason? Raise your hand. Okay, Pastor Jason, who pastors Church of the King uh, in Katy, Texas, he is a phenomenal preacher phenomenal preacher. And I remember one time I was out and he was preaching in the summertime and at, at our church and he was the youth pastor and somebody came out to me and they said, oh, Pastor Jason, you better watch out. Pastor Jason was real, real good last weekend. He may be better than you. I thought to myself, time out. Isn't that the goal? Isn't the goal a young man in our church at raised, isn't the goal for him to actually be better than me? If he's not, then I've failed as a spiritual dad to him. And by the way, and I'm not just saying this, I, that's one of the best preachers in America right there. How many are grateful for Pastor Aaron? And I mean that. I'm not just saying that. He's incredible. Isn't that the goal? Isn't the goal, is the goal for the older to keep down the younger so that the younger doesn't outshine the older? 
That's in our families and our work. Isn't the goal that we raise up stronger people than us on our jobs that actually can replace us so that we can go do something? In other words, isn't that the goal? Is the goal to annihilate everyone that's a threat to keep us in power? If you got to annihilate everybody to keep you significant, you ain't significant. Sorry about that grammar, English teachers. Who are those in our lives that God has called us to champion? I'll close with a couple thoughts. Jonathan's last words of encouragement, because he's almost finished the lap with us, because he's, he's about to go back into those grandstands. I believe Jonathan would say a couple last things to us. Only when you see what's important, you'll be willing to do the seemingly unimportant. Jonathan didn't serve David because he personally lacked potential. He served him because he saw the greater potential in calling on David's life. My question is, whose dreams are you helping to selflessly fulfill? Whose? Maybe it is a child. Maybe it is a friend. Maybe it's somebody in church that you're walking alongside of. Maybe it's someone at work. Who are you generously supporting that God is calling and you see the gifting of God on and who are you investing in? Number two, I think Jonathan would say, he's almost finished. He's almost back in the stands. Every time you encounter people with potential, you must make a choice. You can either help them or hurt them. You can either limit them or lift them. It's a choice. What would have happened if Saul in turn had helped David? He could have enjoyed his latter years. He didn't have to die in the way that he died. He, he could have been a father that had seen the blessing of, a, of God on a spiritual son. And, and he could have enjoyed the whole thing. But his insecurity drove him like a wild animal to try to kill the potential in David. And the final thing he would say, because he's right back in. He's getting ready to sit down. He's right back, right close to that grandstand. The final thing he would say is, as a supporter, you actually share in the other's success. When you help others win, you share in what they achieve. You receive great benefits from that. I'm grateful to God. I'm grateful to God for men like Pastor Doug Armand, who was my Bible study leader. And now he works at the church. He's one of our pastors who's championed me, who's walked with me. If I think about it, literally, I can begin to cry. And, and Doug made a switch in his mind. I remember the day he told me, he said, Steve, I see God's hand upon your life. And I realize that God's called me to serve, to serve you. Pastor Jeff Little, who's another pastor to Pastor Aaron, who's incredible. I've always been the big brother in that relationship. His church is exploding. God's raising him up. Here's the thing. I have a choice. I can either look at Pastor Jeff and be insecure because of how successful he is, or I can say, you know what? I've had a small part in that. I've had a small part in that. See, when you see it from God's, everybody say God's perspective. When you see it from God's perspective, you can rejoice. I can rejoice with Pastor Aaron and Erica. Why? Because it's a, I've had a small part in that. Can you say that? God wants you to. I've had a part in that. I'm convinced if we will sacrificially love and invest in others to their gain and even 
their own success. I am convinced that God will allow you to have soul satisfaction, that you had a part in that. Let's be Jonathan's. Let's overcome the insecurity that drives us to limit and empowers us to lift others. I believe if we will do that, we'll live the life. Matter of fact, I, one of my heroes is Zig Ziglar. He's a Christian motivational speaker, and you guys know Zig Ziglar. Most do. And I love his famous line, you can get everything that you want in life if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. It's a biblical principle. Whatsoever man sows, that shall they also what? Say it. You know, ultimately, the person that gave and gave his life for us, who selflessly and sacrificially gave himself for us, was Jesus. As a matter of fact, maybe you're here and maybe you're a guest or maybe you've been coming for a while and you heard about this church and maybe you got a flyer. I'm not sure, but God brought you and maybe you're not where you need to be with God. Here, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you know Christ? I'm asking every single person, those that are watching online, do you know Jesus? The ultimate one who gave his life. The ultimate one that laid down his life and served us. I did not come, watch us, to be served, but to serve and to give my life. To give his life as a ransom. A payment for our sin. Your sin and mine. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads as we close. If you do not know Christ, if you're not sure about your relationship with Jesus, I want to pray with you. The blood of Christ will wash you, to cleanse you, and make you new. Here's what the Bible says. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I can't save you. Pastor cannot save you. Rise Church can't save you. Being a member of a church doesn't save you. The person who saves his name is Jesus. Whoever calls upon that name, it's the only name under heaven by which men and women can be saved got to first recognize that you've sinned. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Number two, you've got to recognize that it is Jesus Christ who is the Savior. With every head bowed and eyes closed, if you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not sure if I die today. I'm ready to stand before God. I need the blood of Christ to wash me, to cleanse me. I want to be at peace with God at the count of three. I'm just going to ask for a show of hands. If you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. If that's you, one, two, three. Quickly, hold your hand up high so I can see it. God bless you right there. God bless you, sir. God bless you right there. Anybody else? God bless you right there as well. God bless you, sir, right there. Anybody else? Say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. Church family, with those that are trusting Christ, with every head bowed right now, let's pray with those that are trusting Jesus. Can we do that? Let's all pray together as a family. Come on, let's pray. Say, Dear Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Say this, say, Jesus, wash with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this, say, Jesus, I take my life and I put it in your hands. From this day forward, I belong to you. Let me pray. Father, thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name. And everybody said...